0: We heard from a friend of ours, a uh, listener, a uh, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, who will go nameless for various reasons. Um, but uh, he's an airline pilot friend, and uh, he, uh, so a couple episodes ago, we were talking about a handful of things. Um, I think we were talking about airplanes parked on the, you know, airliners parked on the ramp and and uh, on that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, given his job that he gets to visit these ramps, he sent us a couple of interesting pictures of, uh, let's see if he, what he said in the email here, uh, just finishing up 1004, so it is a while ago, I have some observations. Um, as, a, as for temporarily mothballed airliners, he writes, I've noticed that their numbers are de- decreasing in some places. In PDX, what's PDX? Is that... Portland, Oregon?
1: Portland is, is uh, Portland, Oregon, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh,
0: since this spring, runway 3-2-1 uh, has been I used think. as a parking lot and was filled with Alaska Airlines aircraft and some United as well, from the intersection of 10 left to, yeah. uh, and south all the way to the departure. And However, he writes, last month the number of aircraft parked there had been significantly reduced. This is, I've included some pics from PDX, on May 22nd and SBD San Bernardino he says uh, which in addition to it being a permanent boneyard is also a temporary one except for the the Mad Dogs in this pick, yeah, which are not what's a oh a Mad Dog is when MD uh, they, MD 80, 80, yeah,
1: 9088 right. whatever eighty two. It's interesting. It's gonna be it's interesting. It's a fancy DC nine. There you go. There
0: we go. Uh, it's it's uh, the Mad Dogs. Do they call is that a do is that an airline pilot nickname or do mere mortals call
1: them that too? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what airline pilots call them um the rabble tends to call them mad dogs Pew.
0: got it you said we were also talking about thunderstorms near ICT that's uh dave's uh near, in wichita um uh i i want to say in Intercon- your it's now it's what it's Eisenhower Airport is that right now david what's that uh, uh ICT is now called Eisenhower Airport yes Okay. Uh, He just talks about how uh, on uh, early July, one late evening, he happened to be flying east over ICT uh, at 390. I'm sure that means flight level 390 um, to top some storms. He says, I was going to take some pictures of the ICT airport uh, for Dave um, as a way of saying hello, uh, but apparently couldn't see the ground. He said, uh, Let's see. He says, Even though we were above and to the side of the storm, it was throwing off a bunch of turbulence that you can see from the picture. It's hard to keep dave in focus he, he sent us a picture of the uh of one of the uh uh screens uh, nav, nav screens um and uh and it, and it is kind of blurry i was wondering why it was blurry i've forgotten that he said that that's camera shake the camera's shaking and uh um so uh anyways he's uh, yeah we think uh, uh you know who you are and uh um We're actually hoping... He's apparently reaching a stage in his career where he might be able to actually join us on the podcast, and that would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But until he gets to that kind of, I don't know what, the airline pilot equivalent of tenured, I guess, and... uh, He
1: gets off IOE, gets off probation.
0: Is that how it works? I don't know. Yeah, so...
1: What he's saying, I can kind of sort of confirm. I had a long chat with an airline buddy of mine, and... couple of things. One, domestic is almost back. It's like 80% back as far as he can tell. One of his hubs is as busy as it's ever been. 80% in
0: terms of flights or passenger counts?
1: Uh, at least flights. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, which, I, you know, I don't know if there's a big let me put it another way there's certainly a way to tell the difference but i don't know what the what the numbers right now for the airline industry are yep but that's domestic uh international is down the tubes you know right now americans can't really travel anywhere right and i don't know what i don't know who wants to come to the u.s these days um so international is way down so what's going to happen um unless something else shakes loose the the um the money Congress in that passed for um, airline relief is going to expire October 1. Or the uh, conditions under which they accepted the money is going to expire October 1, perhaps is a better way to say it. And uh, once that happens, um, they can furlough crews. They can furlough employees. Um, and it, one carrier at least... Uh, is thinking you know or at least one pilots from one carrier are, are thinking that uh the international guys are going to be going to take a hit basically if you're on a wide body um for a US carrier um unless you're very senior you might want to think about something else to do in the near, in the near future mm-hmm. um there will be um, people on wide bodies who are going to bid down
0: right that's what I was going to ask yeah, say, you- into
1: a narrow body Yeah, and that's certainly going to happen uh, based on their seniorities but one of the things that the carriers have to keep in mind is especially for someone who's not typed in the narrow body uh, they're going to have to go through a, a training cycle and that's expensive in a couple of ways. First of all, the classroom time, the sim time, uh, plus that pilot's off the line. He or she is not, you know, f- right. filling a seat. Um, so that's a balancing act the carriers are going to have to deal with. Um, right now, at least at this guy's carrier, um, he's thinking it's pretty much 50-50 whether he'll he'll get laid off. Hmm, okay. And he's he's... Very senior in hours and in in um, various other ways, but he's fairly new as an FO on the 320 series. Got it.
2: Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, per some data that came my way on Tuesday, uh, this is from FlightAware, uh, they uh, said for the last several days, we've seen worldwide air traffic volume hover at 50% of where it was this time last year. This is the highest we've seen... We've highest we seen it since the beginning of the downturn, and that's uh, attributable to Daniel Baker, CEO of FlightAware. So, uh, and there was a chart, and it, you can see U- U.S. business aviation traffic. It's uh, it's back up almost to normal
0: business aviation traffic. Right. Is, right. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, David, that sounds consistent with what uh, Jeb was just saying about uh, uh, 50% and mm-hmm. and uh, things slowly coming back. I mean, by, by some measure, I mean, back is a relative term because I think back is a relative term. Before we and really get back is going to be a long time. You've uh, still
1: got also um, the the 737 MAX return to service going on out there, which is. Oh, hang on a second.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, all right, we're back. I don't know how well I hid that little uh, little uh, uh, aside here, but uh, one of us received a uh, a schedule. We expected somebody's phone was going to ring, and it did, and so we paused for a couple moments here. But now I forget what we were talking about. Uh, Jeb, you, we were we were talking about. Well, we were talking about the airline well, slowly, we, we, slowly we talking about the,
1: Yeah, we were talking about the uh, uh, airline uh, situation. Boeing, of course, is trying to get the, the 737 MAX fleet back in the air. Um, I, I think I saw something that last month, neither Boeing nor Airbus sold a new airplane.
0: Okay. Well, that's, yeah, okay. And, yeah. And,
1: uh, um... That's guess, a wow. Yeah, and... There's also Southwest, which has a 500 billion with a B dollar lawsuit against Boeing. That I saw something favorable. It was favorable. There was some some step in the process that uh, uh, was favorable to Southwest. Maybe it was just the was that, the that lawsuit of the suit. regarding
0: the sub, the, max the max groundings. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of turmoil um, yeah. in the airline yeah. industry right now.
0: Another and speaking of which, so um, another thing we talked about on our past issue, we we talked about the what's going to be involved in bringing these moth, if you want to call them mothballed, but these these parked airliners back online, um, and uh, FAA has apparently issued an, an emergency airworthiness directive. Um, this is dated July twenty third, so it's almost well three weeks ago, but. Uh, uh, regarding seven, a, a whole bunch of 737s, let's see now. This emergency AD was prompted by four recent reports of single-engine shutdowns due to engine bleed air fifth stage check valves being yeah, stuck yeah, open. Yeah. So uh, uh, apparently, corrosion is building up on this this valve and uh, and causing it to stick. Yeah, that's and interesting. So, yeah. so now uh, FAs uh, all and it's just like apparently it's 737, 300s, 400s, 677 6, C's, eight nine900s and nine hundred ERs.
1: No, oh, that's not what this, this, uh, this says. It's talking about classic and, and NG aircraft. I didn't think that, that was that many Are you models, looking at the
0: tweet or the actual? I'm looking at the tweet. Yeah, and if you click through to the actual um, The AD. A, AD, uh, that's the list I was just reading. Um, oh, so,
1: yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah.
0: So anyways, um, yeah, we we were speculating on whether or not these airplanes were, were you know or, you know, we were just sort of speculating on what sorts of parking rash they would accumulate yeah. if you will um and uh, here's a very very real example um
1: so uh some yeah. of these aircraft i'd be surprised if they actually came back into service
0: i think that's going to happen I mean, we talked 400s, about 400s yeah. yeah i mean we talked about the mad dogs a minute ago and yeah. uh, i wouldn't be surprised that there's a lot of airplanes that are just never going to come back this is, the time has come and they're going to retire them and and uh, you know um uh, so, anyway,
1: GA on the other hand, yeah, seems to be doing fairly well. Yeah, plugging along and
0: seeing more and more people who are who have learned how to fly in a sanitary, if that's mm-hmm. the right word, way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, wearing a variety of different masks, anything from the simple cloth masks all the way up to, you know, N95s and even these filtered. I yeah, you can call them right. But uh, Amy,
1: Amy, and I went out. It's been a month or so ago now to to do some things, and uh, we both wore masks. Yep. And I was pleasantly surprised that we had no trouble communicating. We didn't have to speak louder or or enunciate better or something mm-hmm. like that over mm-hmm. the intercom. Um, and I was very happy to see that. So um, didn't really yeah. have any issues. At all with communication.
0: Well, as someone pointed out, the, there are flight situations where you have always worn a mask, you know, for for oxygen reasons. And uh, of course, those masks Is, have microphones built in. It's a different some, kind of situation. Some
1: do. It's it's not common for people to use oxygen on a GA airplane, on unpressurized GA airplane. Right. It should be more common because there's a number of benefits, but it's not free uh, to do that. So, yeah. So, anyways.
0: Uh, that's a couple of follow-up things. Uh, by the way, regarding the FAA uh, uh, Emergency Airworthiness Direct- Directive, I just wanted to thank uh, Twitter. And I don't know if this guy's a listener or not, but uh, Twitter, Ethan Clapper, is uh, where this came to my attention. And uh, just kind of credit where credit is due. Um, thanks for that lead. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, there um, we go. David, how you doing? What have you been up to these days? Oh, pretty much the same old, same old. I write,
2: I send it in, I write another one, I send it in. Uh, One of the highest points for my work in this past month, though, is a little article in Avbuyer Buyer Magazine, and the headline says, Tips for Avoiding Buyer's Regret, and uh, ways that you can assure yourself that that you are going to be happy with that airplane that you're looking at. Uh, The the article was not geared uh, solely to business jets. Uh, It's pretty much applicable across the board. But uh, uh, that was a fun little piece. Uh, Mm -hmm. Got me talking to some of my uh, dealer and broker friends and and a couple of people that I met at uh, uh, Augusta Airport, where I used to keep Air Comanche, who had just recently... Purchase an airplane because the groundings uh, in some states, not everybody can just go out the airport and fly, uh, it seems. And there have been some bargains on on the market. So Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's. always nice but it's not necessarily uh, a a plus unless you go through all the other steps that go with buying an airplane like uh, having a real pre-purchase inspection done and no getting it with a new annual doesn't doesn't uh, uh eliminate the need for a independent pre-purchase inspection it it's done sometimes the the offer is made sometimes to sweeten a deal oh we'll deliver it with a fresh annual uh well who's doing the annual well the guy that always works on it no 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 that's not what you want for a pre-purchase inspection mm-hmm. you want n- new eyes looking at that airplane somebody I, that's not seen it before
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense but that isn't i mean so that, that's a good point is in terms of deciding whether to buy an airplane, um, you want different eyes to look at it. But putting that aside for a moment, are is an annual transferable? You know, if if an airplane changes ownership, does the annual instantly expire, or is it still good till whenever?
2: It, it's still good until the uh, end of the twelve uh, okay. month cycle. All right, so when ar- at which point you have to do now. it again?
0: Yeah, the, the annual sticks with the airplane, not with the. Uh, you know, it's like well, uh, up here in so up here in New Hampshire, um, we have automobile safety inspections every once a year. We have to get our car taken right. to an appropriate outfit and get it inspected and they put a sticker on the windshield saying it passed. Um, but if I could have a brand new sticker on my car, alright, and if I sell the car, that sticker instantly expires and the new owner has to get a sticker. Um, and that's why I was wondering whether whether aircraft annuals work the same way. What's next here? Uh, so... <laughs> We've got a story here on the list um, about a uh, emergency landing.
1: Um, this sounds familiar. Did we ever talk about this before? So this is. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. This is a podcast with Max Trescott, who's who's been around uh, right. aviation media for some yeah, time. Yeah, and he- but um, I I didn't get from from the, I didn't listen to the conversation. I listened partly to the um, the ATC audio that's tacked on to it. Mm-hmm. It's not clear to me when this occurred.
0: Right, yeah. It's uh, so. It, the story here is a uh, Australian student pilot um, on apparently his third flight lesson, and uh, his instructor um, had a medical emergency, a, a seizure, passed out in the cockpit. According to the text here,
1: as as you know, flight instructors are wont to do. Well, see, you know, I was gonna, who who among us am I right?
0: No, no. See, I was going to make here's the joke I was going to make. I, I was going to say um, we've all flown with instructors who do some weird thing in order to. Simulate an engine failure, alright? Um, simulate an emergency, alright? You know, I mean, I've had, and you know, we've all had instructors who kind of surreptitiously reach down, reach down between the seats and mess with the fuel selector. Um, you know, uh, I've had, I mean, and so I'm thinking, I was gonna, the joke I was gonna make is this is going a long way to have a bizarre simulated emergency. Pretend that you pass out. <laughs> like, just become silent. Put your head over to the side and just like see what the student does, you know? Peeking out with one eye partly open. Um, And if you really want to freak out the student, make sure you drool a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but probably that's not what was going on here. This was a genuine emergency. And, uh, um,. Uh, you know, and and well, I hope I'm not making fun of this. And the guy died. Did they did the instruction? I don't know. I, uh, I, that I, would be really embarrassing. I don't uh, know. The story, the the synopsis we're looking at here does not say <laughs> so. Anyways, a synopsis so, isn't really a synopsis. But. Yeah. So, anyways, um, but that was you know interesting. Um, I, I don't know. Could you have learned landed at, at, during your third lesson? My
1: third session. I don't know. Is the quick answer. I. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure this is a Cirrus, so probably an SR20. No, it doesn't say what this was. Uh, actually, there's an ad for Cirrus. Yeah, there's an ad for Cirrus. This. So yeah. I, it's not clear which what type of aircraft this is, at least uh, from the text or from the, the ATC audio. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I could steer the airplane, I guess, and I could manipulate the the power and uh, that kind of thing. I knew about trim. I knew about airspeed I I don't know I, I mean have,
0: have on your third landing third lesson have they even started to? I guess they have started. You do start doing landings pretty quickly, like probably from the first time. But
1: yeah, I mean, you try. You know, first first couple of times, probably you're going to need some instructor assistance.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I need. Okay, <laughs> I need an instructor assistance a lot longer than the third lesson. But uh, you know, I would occasionally pull it off. But anyways, well, congratulations, to this guy. I don't know whether we talked about this in the past or not, but uh, Max uh, Sylvester is the name of the pilot um and who, now uh,
1: just a little context as far as dates are concerned th- this this post on the uh on the podcast site or aviationnewstalk.com uh site is dated august 9 so that's not that's five days four days ago uh but the summary attached here the text says last year right um, this event occurred so
0: yeah i s- I would guess that August 9 is when the podcast episode came out. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Um, but that the, the incident happened a while ago. And uh, so we're, I guess we're all well, going to have to listen to my, Max's podcast now and hear the story. Well,
2: we should share a little. Uh, uh, credit with the uh, uh with the air traffic controller that handled th- uh, the student pilot's uh, uh plight and an instructor from uh, max's flight school and between the three of them they managed to uh, negotiate max into making a safe and successful landing and walking away and i hope he came back for a fourth lesson yeah yeah
1: well, he, we,
0: yeah. and, and if we, and if any one of us had listened to this podcast episode, I bet we'd know the answer to all. These I bet things. we know all the answers. Yeah. This is a yeah. follow-up for a future yeah. episode. There we yes, go. Yes, okay, yes. Uh, what's next here? Uh, put this on the, the EPA. What's the headline here? This is a Reuters uh, 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 web story here. U.S. EPA proposing first-ever airplane emission standards. This is a story that's dated July 22nd, so just about a month ago. Um, I want to say David put this on the list, but who did put this on the list? Uh, David put it on the list. Do either of you know more about this? So apparently the U.S. EPA has decided that it needs to get serious about getting consistent with some ICAO um, emission standards and uh, um, because these foreign countries might stop letting American planes in land there (laughs) may stop letting land (laughs) may stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. Is this a big deal? I mean, or is this, uh, does this apply to GA?
1: Um, yes, yes, it does. Okay. Um, my understanding is it, it applies to not in-service aircraft, Right but future designs,
0: right, and that's the other thing it, it does say that here in the story um it's which and, and which that, means like you know ten years from now it will have applied to six airplanes right, that's a joke <laughs> uh,
2: well that's you know and and that's the hook here for not having the uh the uh aircraft manufacturers the g a community and others come out of the woodwork on this because ePA is long lusted after the uh, ability to enforce emission regulations on uh, on on general aviation right particularly the uh, environmentalists out in uh oregon washington state california uh, i mean it, it was Arizona. part of the big fight over the santa monica airport right so those airplanes are burning leaded fuel yeah that's what i was going to say it's the leaded fuel that we burn and uh yeah, well, except the, these standards go deeper than that.
1: Yeah, there's also been noise uh, concerns, um, uh, say, Grand Canyon. Yep. Yeah. I'm not sure if I get the, the connection. The Grand Canyon, well, it's noise pollution as oh, opposed Oh, noise pollution, airplane noise, to, yeah, okay, yes, all right, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so I guess that brings me back to my first question here. This story about um, EPA starting to enforce some regulations or creating some regulations. Is, is this a deal for us, or is this, well, I guess just like we just said, it's new airplanes only. So as long as you're flying an airplane that yeah. wasn't designed, like, it's, after today, you're Yeah, good to I don't go.
1: know. I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at this. Um, and I could probably click the link that they put up here. Um. A lot of this is going to apply uh, to uh, to turbine aircraft, Mm -hmm. uh, um, including business jets, but uh, it's not clear that it will apply to... It's for you. (laughs) Shit.
0: Go ahead, Jeb. It's fine. Or ignore it, whatever you like. David, while while he's gone, so uh, the EPA, I mean, is this, uh, what do you think?
2: Well, first off, let's give it some perspective here. Uh, And according to this piece, uh, aircraft account for 12% of all transportation greenhouse gas emissions and 3% of total U.S. such U.S. emissions. Uh, they're the largest source of transportation-related greenhouse gas emissions, not subject to standards. Uh, so what they want to do here is apply these uh, standards that they've proposed to new type designs as of January 2020, and the in-production airplanes are those 2020 or 2021? 2020. Okay, thank you. And in-production airplanes or those with amended type certificates starting in 2028, they would not apply to airplanes currently in use. That's what it says. And then that's a little bit confusing for me because uh, if it was built in January and delivered and put into service in February, it's obviously in use, but they say that's when they want the effective date to start on this. So... uh, I'm not completely clear here where the lines being drawn, but uh, the uh, the standards are fairly sweeping. I mean, they're everything from noise to uh, to uh, nitrous oxide, carbon monoxide, and so forth. Uh, but it was an eventuality that this was going to be a fight at some point. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, on one level, it's it's only right. It's just. I don't know, I, I'm protective in the GA area because we don't have a lot of good options for the leaded fuel, but um, otherwise, you know, we got to fix these problems.
1: Well, um, you know, 20, 30 years from now, yeah, we'll be talking about wattage and amperage as opposed to gallons per hour. Of course, yes. Um, and it'll be, granddaddy, come come, tell us more about how you used to fly <laughs> piston-powered airplanes.
0: <laughs> this is uh yeah the 99 year old pilot jeb yeah. and dave um yeah. this is a call back to last episode yeah. uh okay well there we go all right um we'll see what happens uh david ask jeb what he's been up to hey Jeb. What have you been up to?
1: You guys are so bad at this. (laughs) Why, why thank you for asking, David. (laughs) (laughs) I have uh, been up to about, I don't know, 5'11", 5'10", 5'12", something like that. You shrinking like me? (laughs) Not like you. (laughs) 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 Uh, But... um, um, Again, you know, basking a little bit. I'm trying to take care of a lot of little projects around the house. Um, and uh, that's one of the reasons the phone's been ringing off the hook this morning. But um, taking care of that, some of that, I, I um, you know, surfing surf the net while I got some time, trying to find some interesting stuff. And uh, two things I'd like to quickly mention while yeah. I've got your attention. Yeah. Uh, one is um, we're coming up on the... Uh, I guess it'd be the 60th anniversary of, of something that was kind of a, a milestone in, in aerospace. Um, and that was the uh, skydive, uh, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. Long Lonely Leap, it's been called. Oh, Joe Kittinger. Joe Kittinger, exactly. This is uh, an article on uh, the Air and Space, National Air and Space Museum website. It's actually from 10 years ago. But and, and this is
0: not to be confused with the guy who did a similar thing, like, a few years
1: ago. Not to be confused with that individual, no. Okay. Um, Joe Kittinger was a U.S. Air Force captain um, and, uh, I don't know, got the short straw or something like that. But uh, he um, stepped out of a balloon. Um, one hundred and two thousand eight hundred feet over New Mexico on August twenty nine. Well, August sixteen. I'm sorry, of twenty ten. Uh, I screwed it up again. August sixteen of uh, nineteen sixty. Okay, and um, had a parachute. Yeah, sure. Um, but he fell, free fell, free fall, more than f- four and a half minutes. Before he opened his main chute, okay, and yes, he he's doing in the thin air. You know, you got you got the okay, you got the gravity and the rate of acceleration, thirty-two feet per second per second. And at some point, you reach a terminal velocity where you won't accelerate anymore. Hmm. That was over six hundred miles per hour. Yeah, for Kittinger when he first fell out of the balloon as he descended lower to the ground and the air density got greater the friction slowed him he was only doing maybe 250 miles an hour um and i just the the pressure differences he he had a glove fail and his his hands swole up and the whole thing was just uh, um um it's kind of surreal and i guess for the times it was it was a really big deal it's still a really big deal Mm -hmm. yeah they got a photo here uh, in the story of him about 15 feet below the gondola of the balloon as he's falling out and you, the first Reaction you have is how did the guy who took the picture get down? Okay,
0: well, okay, I guess that is an interesting question. but I'm sure I, it, was it was an automatic uh,
1: camera. Well, yeah, in 19- yeah
0: Yeah, I guess maybe it probably was in 1960 yeah. still yeah. Uh
1: but it's just a really cool milestone. Now, um, the isn't other there thing, a punchline
0: to this? I'm Hang sorry. On. No, no.
1: A, it's just a, it's just a, you know kind of a shout-out. The guy's still alive. That's the punchline. Yeah, Kedinger's still yeah. alive. He's still with us. Uh, I'm sure uh, if he's around, you know, uh, I'm sure someone will ask him something about this uh, this month. So you know, it might be interesting to watch the watch the media. Yeah. Well,
2: I, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to do a little boast here. It's been my pleasure uh, on three or four occasions to fly with Captain Kittenger. Outstanding.
0: Really? Yep. Tell, tell us about one or two of those. What, happened, what was the circumstance?
2: Circumstances were called sun and fun. Yeah. And Captain Joe used to be the pilot that flew that new American Standard off the grass runway, ah, okay. uh, taking tourists around on a lap around the uh, airspace. Uh, so that they could get photos of the air show grounds and all yeah. that. Yeah. And, uh,. A second or third time, I was—I had to fly with him. I was shooting something for somebody's story, and he said, why are you back again? You know what it looks like by now, don't you? And I said, well, yeah, I even flew in. I said, What's this all about? Oh, I'm doing work for this magazine, and and I never asked your name. What's your name? Oh, Joe. Okay, Joe. Oh, Kittinger. Oh, okay. Uh, retired military? Yeah, Air Force. Ah, uh, okay. Very cool. Uh, how long have you been flying this bird? Oh, long, long enough to know it like the back of my hand. Uh, very modest guy. Mm-hmm. I got back to the office, was talking to some people and looking at the pictures and said, oh, wow, you flew with Captain Joe? Yeah. Because you know who he is? Well, uh, yeah, sort of, uh, Joe Kittinger, re- retired Air Force. He set a record for free fall and the highest j- parachute jump in history at that time, back in 1960. And I go, oh, Golf, tangle, pox, shot, <laughs> Golf,
0: tango, fox, shot, Oscar. Golf, tango, Oh, okay. I got
1: it. I got, it. <laughs> you got You got to conjugate some of the things Dave says.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I you know. Often. Often. Well, that's pretty cool, David. Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah, nice guy, too. Nice guy. And they uh, brought him in as a consultant uh, when the uh, uh, attempt to break his record was Mm -hmm, mounted mm -hmm. a few years ago. uh, And he was involved in that. And they uh, always made a point of uh, pointing out that Captain Kittinger uh, was the one that set the bar really high, like 31,333 meters high. There you go. Sounds cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Your so sky, uh, Your Skyhawk's probably not going to get that high. No, no, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. So, Jack, uh, I was going to yeah. ask you, though, yeah. Jack, I came across this thing while we're talking about uh, news items and whatnot. came across this thing about New Hampshire. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, opening up its roads to flying cars is the link. And I'm like... Well, okay that's that's great how many roadable aircraft are there in new hampshire <laughs>
0: they're all all And, and while you're at it
1: tell us how you've been
0: doing uh hang on a second you've gotten way ahead of yourself here uh. <laughs> be
1: afraid be very afraid
0: Be very afraid uh yes new hampshire is a very forward-thinking place uh and uh, we did recently pass a law um, uh, sort of formalizing the regulations or whatever you want to call them for for um, allowing flying car roadable aircraft to actually drive on the roads of New Hampshire um, and uh, I'm basically why, why now is, have-
1: why is that a thing though I guess in that um, any quote roadable aircraft um, has to meet federal uh, standards to begin with, and those are applicable in all 50 well, states. Am I I, first
0: of all, how many rotable aircraft are there, freely, really? All right? And have they, in fact, been certified that they meet these federal standards? I, I, I get the feeling. So... Everyone, regular listeners of this podcast know my feelings about flying cars, and as a result, I saw this headline, maybe read the first paragraph, and then get, went, okay, enough of that. Um, so uh, I don't know all the details, but apparently it had to do with formal. I mean, so even if the car, even if a vehicle complies with these federal, this is my understanding of it anyways, even if a vehicle complies with the federal standards, it doesn't mean that it's automatically approved in any given state all right the state needs to have some mechanism for registering it or I don't know what giving it a safety inspection or I I don't know what and and apparently that's what this law does this kind of closes off you know dots all the t's and crosses all the i's so to speak um, of uh, (laughs) of, which actually speaks to my view on flying cars quite (laughs) frankly Um, but uh, yeah New Hampshire did this Because we're forced, you know, uh, you know, uh, insightful, forethoughtful. I don't know what the right word is. Yeah, we did this. I don't know how many there are. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping there are none, but I don't know. Time will tell.
1: Well, I just, I just found it very curious. I bet you did. Yeah, the whole thing, but uh, and it's, you know, it's great, you know, opportunity to get you to state your views about rotable aircraft. (laughs) Um yeah okay all right but what seriously what have you been up to uh since we talked last
0: uh i have been up to i mean you know it's it's it's, i think you're the one jeb who first mentioned said that life during the pandemic is like you know basically the day of uh of uh, that groundhog day groundhog day
1: yeah it's about you're about 30 minutes into groundhog day
0: yeah, it's like the you know it's like the day, over yeah, but I and over can't again. be the
1: first one to have come up with that. The,
0: the same day over and over and over again. But uh, um, so so there's a little bit of that going on. Um, but uh, um, I, I mean, I've just kind of been chugging along and doing podcast stuff and uh, um, trying to get my shop set up. It's taken a little bit longer than I had expected, um, but uh, as a result, I've made you know, continue to make um, multiple trips to. Uh, to Lookout Point to collect stuff, and uh, um, very soon, maybe this, well, it's Thursday, so I guess this week's just about done, but hopefully next week, I will arrange to move the motorcycle, and uh, that, that will sort of signify the real beginning of my shop. Don't and, you uh, still have a trailer? Yeah, I, I do have a trailer. I, as we mentioned before, I have a trailer, but I do not have a vehicle with a oh, hitch. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, um, I'm sorry. And so, uh, I was trying to figure out, and, and on normal circumstances, in non-pandemic times, I would there are any number of vehicles I could borrow from friends, but but borrowing vehicles is kind of complicated in this day and age, and so I I, I don't know. I'm probably going to rent a U-Haul, which is also equally problematic. But that's probably what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I'm working on my shop and uh, sort of starting to get that stuff going. And uh, what else? I actually made notes to remind myself what, uh, um, you know. Um, it's yes. been crazy hot and humid here. I mean, I mean, just like,
1: <laughs> well, no, it's, just, it's just,
0: yeah, but but even hotter than I well, at least on one particular time check uh, data point, I, I was looking at, at the Sar, uh, Sarasota temperature. I think it was yesterday or the day before when it was ninety three and ninety four here, and it was eighty four in Sarasota. Right um, now, not to say that you probably don't have crazy humidity
1: no, lately. But, it's, it, what's going on now here is. Uh, um, typically the Sun the dawn will be a clear blue sky
0: mm-hmm. and
1: about this time in the morning 10 30 11 o'clock there'll be some white puffies and the sun will still be the sun will be very strong and it'll be 95 easily yeah uh, especially in the Sun mm-hmm. and uh, by two-ish the puffies have have taken on well, the widely scattered puffies have taken on a broken uh, become a broken layer basically at about mm-hmm. I don't know three or four five thousand. And uh, the sun starts to get blotted out a little bit, but it's still you know humid enough. it's like being in this piece of cheese yeah right. um, but um, and by four or five o'clock it's is you know where the rain is going to be. I mean you might have already been rained on yeah and that goes on until sundown. so
0: and that's the part we're missing up here. Um, we are officially in a drought here. We have been for <clears throat> over a month now. Um, it, it's hardly rained at all. I mean it's rained a little bit. It's not, excuse me, my goodness, I don't know if you heard that. Um, but uh, it's, uh, um, it hasn't not rained at all. It's not like zero precipitation, but we're way behind the curve in terms of precipitation yeah, here. I,
1: I, I can't prove it, but I think we are here in Florida also. Yeah. It's just no. not nearly as wet. The pond is, excuse me, the lake is not nearly so high. Um, uh, the, the summer, I heard that. So. I heard you. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: so, anyways, that's what's going on up here. Uh, and we're just kind of chugging along doing our uh, doing our Groundhog Day over and over and over again. And uh, eventually, we'll uh, you know realize that we really do love that woman and we want to make a commitment. And oh, that was the movie. Never mind. That was the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, well, whatever well. it's going to take, we'll break out of this cycle eventually. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, exactly. Um, anyways. Uh, okay. Let me see if I can get control of this thing. Get us back on track no, here. Because no, we've, no, no, no. we've gone far astray here, at least according to the list. Oh, yeah,
1: the other, oh yeah, I remember now. The other thing I wanted to mention yeah. was if you're... Interesting, folks. I there's, give up.
0: I'm no longer. There's a story. lot of
1: rotor heads I know that listen to the podcast, and uh, uh, came across something last month um, that one of the Bell 47s that was used in the television comedy, the, the, the sitcom Mash, yeah, back in the 70s and 80s. Um, one of the bona fide Bell 47s that was used in the in the production is for sale. Ooh. You can buy a piece of not only military history, but, um, uh, this was, cause this was, uh, originally a Navy, uh, air, a helicopter, U S Navy. Um, but not only can you get a genuine warbird, but a piece of pop culture, uh, yeah. a, a pop culture icon.
0: No, I, I, that would be, if one were a helicopter person, that that's yeah. a, a yeah. pretty cool yeah. thing. Yeah. And, uh, very neat. I've, I've read some stories about, I mean, not that now I'm talking about the actual Korean conflict war. Um, that, that was quite revolutionary, um, using those helicopters that way um, to evacuate um, um, injured, um, even though they didn't evacuate them very far. That was the whole point, was they had these mobile surgical units that were right up behind the front, if you will. and uh, uh, But still, being able to use the helicopter to bring the injured to these nearby hospitals made a huge difference, apparently, in terms of survival rate um, for uh, injured well, and combatants. It,
2: it set the stage for the helicopter's complete integration into war during uh, the, Viet, the Vietnam era. Right. Right. I mean, it, yeah. they added guns. They added rockets. They they did um, supply runs. They did medevac runs. Uh, and helicopter pilots in in uh, Vietnam had among the more notable challenges of getting through a tour of duty in one piece.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so.
2: Something about a slow moving, hovering target that's just really inviting to the bad guys.
0: Yeah. As a matter of fact, it just happened the other day, right? Didn't we see this story where a – uh, it was a Huey, as a matter of fact. It was a Huey
1: over over uh, Washington, in Washington airspace. It was – what I read was northwest of Manassas, about Manassas, because it landed it, at Manassas, it right? It landed yeah. at Manassas. It was hit by uh, bullets, uh, or at least one bullet anyway. Right. Uh, some kind of gunfire, uh, and which injured one of the crew members. Right. And, and uh, they declared an emergency and put down at, at Manassas Airport, my old stomping ground. Uh, called the EMTs, and, you know, they were waiting when they landed, yada, yada. Uh, but um, I think the FBI is looking into it, and I would suspect they're rather annoyed about this.
0: Yeah. Well, I unc- hope
1: to catch the SOB. Yeah, yeah
0: really. Now, it's unclear um, whether or not they, this was an intentional sh- fu- you know, shot fired at the helicopter or whether it was just someone messing around and, and a round got away. Um, well,
1: Ten miles northwest of Manassas, um, starts to get into dulles airspace. to dulles
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, I I don't Which know. Whether, I mean, I curious. would imagine they'll eventually figure this out. Yeah.
1: But and, uh, and
2: and and the uh, ground space around dulles is not exactly what you'd call sparsely populated. No, no. Mm-hmm. no. I mean, uh, any any bozo that fires a round off blindly into the sky deserves to have it come down on himself.
0: Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, of course. It comes down on somebody else. Uh, let me rest control of this podcast back for just a moment um, and uh, to uh, to say uh, that uh, if you like what we're doing here with this podcast, and today may or may not be a good example of that, uh, <laughs> please uh, please consider supporting us uh, with a financial donation. Um, as little as a few dollars a month is a big help in covering the expenses of doing this podcast. Uh, you can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via PayPal, um, and we'd like to thank one recent paypal uh uh, tip jar supporter lars uh sent us some money that's very kind of you lars thank you Um, or you can become an automatic monthly supporter via the excellent and secure service patreon Um, and uh, thank you to uh, some of our our, our recent patreon supporters uh, jeff and alex and jennifer and cody and dan and ron and George and Joe and so many others, uh, you folks are the best. Thank you so much. Uh, for more information uh, about providing automatic monthly support, check out slash uncontrolled airspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolled airspace.com. And if you didn't catch all that stuff, I was just saying uh, you can get all this information by clicking the box in the right hand column of the UCAP homepage. That's at uncontrolled airspace.com. Thank you, everyone, for all your help. Uh, there's no place like homepage. All right, now let's see. Now we've just made made a mess out of this list. Where did we get here? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, we are reaching the end over a lot of our allotted time, so I, I just want to talk about this one. This tactical air vehicle. All right. Um, have so it's kind of interesting. This is a company. I believe the company is called Icarus, and they have announced uh, a new. Um, what they're describing is a first of its kind clean slate tactical aircraft. Right, and it's kind of an interesting looking, you know. And they talk about it. They seem to want us to think that it's an actual combat aircraft because uh, it shows, you know, um, um, missiles and rockets and stuff under the wings, and um, it's a twin engine turboprop, uh, two seat front and back piloted. Uh, it's got a, uh, twin boom tail configuration and, uh, I-, I would call it more of a trainer. I would think that it's more natural mission would be as a trainer of some sort. This, but. this
1: is a modernized, looks like anyway, a very modernized version of the old, uh, North American OV-10 Bronco. Yeah. That was yep. used in Vietnam. Yep, yep. Uh, And I don't know if it's still in production or not. It probably yeah. still is in use by some countries. but uh, And um, it's a big airplane. Yeah. It's a twin boom, um, twin tail. The, the horizontal stabilizer is across the top of the vertical stabilizers, as opposed to uh, a cruciform arrangement or something like that. So right. It's rather distinctive. And twin turboprops in the booms and y- yada yada. But yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this is Icarus Aerospace, uh, tactical air vehicle, TAV, first of its kind, clean slate, tactical aircraft, highly customizable, versatile, capable, and reliable. Reading from their webpage. But here's what I, and it's a cool looking airplane and I was thinking, that'd be kind of fun to, you know, fly it or whatever. Uh, Not that I'll ever have an opportunity, but, uh, And it says 90% of the mission capability of a modern fighter at 15% of the cost of a modern combat jet, 100% flexibility. But here's way down at the bottom of the page, all right, um, I think they buried the lead here. Like literally the second, well, maybe not the second, but way at the bottom of the page, after all this information about the design and what it's capable of and so forth and so on, it says optionally piloted vehicle, remotely piloted or fully autonomous if required by the mission and the
1: uh, the Terminator series is a documentary. It's not. It's, it's not uh, fiction.
0: I you know, someone I I someone and not recently like like five years ago someone said that the last onboard fighter pilot what had been born yeah the last, you know? yeah, the last all right that, that, that pilot. you know that the, it, you know we are approaching the time when there will never again you know it'll be. In combat, an onboard fighter pilot. Um, if only because, and this is not an example of that, I wouldn't think, because uh, they were mostly talking about the fact that modern-day fighter planes um, are almost impossible for a human being to be on board, let alone you know doing something intelligent.
1: Well, if they if they uh, are flown to their their uh, structural limits, right, the, the pilot would be uh, sub- subject to very high G's and might black yeah. out. Yeah.
0: Um, and you want them to be able to fly to those. You want system. them to
1: be able to do that. Um, I don't know. I don't, I
0: don't,
2: <laughs> it's something the old Rios in the, Tom, in the uh, Tomcat well, did not have the option to do.
1: Yeah, he, here's a question, though, about this particular uh, aircraft, the Wasp. Uh, it says, crew up to two. And it says, pilot plus weapons uh, systems officer, pilot only, or unmanned. Okay, so... It, it's capable of being flown by itself, and one of the configurations is just the pilot. So instead of the 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 WISO, the Weapon Systems Officer. So my question is, why can't they just have it fly autonomously and have a WISO aboard? Oh, uh, well, okay, you know, which would be a fun ride, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah. Uh,
2: what do you mean? There's nobody flying? <laughs> okay,
0: uh, do it, man. Come on, Mab, do some of that pilot. That's right. Stuff. That's right. Right. Yeah. Where'd he um, go? Where'd who go? Yeah. Okay. Which is an unfortunate, actually, an unfortunate um, of callbacks given what happened to poor Goose when all was said and done. Um, anyways, interesting looking airplane. I, I, I get the feeling that it just even doesn't exist beyond the pictures on this website Who knows?
2: Uh, i think that'd be safe i'm,
0: I'm guessing that this thing is 100 software just yet and uh but but no the part i thought was interesting was that they kind of kept positioning it here as this really cool you know platform for all kinds of things and then kind of oh by the way it can be optionally piloted yeah. um and I'm going ooh, you know this is the a sign of the times, I guess.
2: Huh? And, and thinking of my few times sitting in an aircraft where my butt was planted in an ejection seat, I still remember the very clear words of the gentleman flying. He said, if you hear me say eject, eject, eject,
1: and you're still here there by the third eject, you're alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I tell passengers, I say, you know, nothing's going to happen. But on the off chance something does happen and we land somewhere that's not an airport, um, open the door, unbuckle your seatbelt, get out, get away from the airplane. If you stop to ask me a question, you will be talking to yourself.
0: Because <laughs> I'm getting out of the airplane, and you should too. And yeah. Probably I, I,
1: over you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I want to see you navigate that uh, trip from... Yeah. Left seat over the right seat and out onto the wing because that's a pretty good step
1: up to the bonanza. It, yeah, it, but he'll it, be motivated. So. I, I'm not. I don't have to step up. I just have to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right,
0: okay. I think we've reached the end of our. Uh, it's fork time. Our, our patience, if, nothing, yeah, if not, if not, our a lot of like time, that, <laughs> or something like that. Thank you, guys. It's always fun. I appreciate you getting together here. Uh, Dave Higden uh, is an aviation photographer, and aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Av Buyer magazine. Uh, you can find Find his work online at abbeyer.com, at aea.net, and on Twitter he is Real Higdon. And uh, Jeb Burnside is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, and as a frequent, frequent i got to rewrite this, I can't use these two words next to each other, as a frequent contributor to other aviation publications. <laughs> Easy uh, for you to say. Not at all. Uh, online, you can find Jeb's work at aviation AviationSafetyMagazine.com. Uh, his magazine is on Twitter at mag, and you can also find him at AEA.net, AvWeb.com, and on Twitter, he is is Burnside J and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer and a digital media producer. Uh, you can find me uh, online at places like Twitter, uh, Jack Hodgson, YouTube, Jack Hodgson, Patreon, Jack Hodgson. And you can find my eBooks on Amazon by searching for around the field in the book section. And you can sign up for my email newsletter um, at my uh, homepage, which is jackhodgson.com. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? You want to live a long, happy,
2: fruitful life, be a pilot because, well, you've heard this before, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. So go get them.
0: And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
1: And remember, an airplane will probably fly itself a little bit over gross, but it will not fly without fuel.